In our upcoming Tuesday night study, we are dealing with something that all of us struggle with, temptation. And I know what your mind is thinking, but temptation is not always sexual. Sometimes you are tempted to overeat. Or you're tempted to gossip. Or you're tempted to lie. Or you're tempted to steal. Or you're tempted to say you're sick when you're not just so you don't go to work. Temptation is all around us. But the Bible has a word for us this morning. 1 Corinthians at chapter 10, verses 12, 13, and 14. So if you think you're standing, watch out that you do not fall. No testing, no tempting has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your strength. But with the testing, with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. Verse 14 reads, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. Thank you. You may be seated. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Eskimos in Alaska, when they want to trap a wolf, will take a knife and dip it in blood over and over and over until it freezes with the blood on that blade. And then they put the handle of the knife in the ground and a wolf can smell blood even when it's frozen. And the wolf will come to that knife and start licking on that blade and the warmth from the wolf's tongue will melt the blood on that blade but unbeknownst to the wolf, he's really licking a knife blade. And before long, he licks that blade until his blood is mixed with the blood from that warm blade now. And the wolf bleeds to death because he does not know that he is his own worst enemy. That's how insidious Satan and sin really is. Nobody wakes up in the morning deciding to be an alcoholic. Nobody planned to be addicted to drugs. Nobody designs to fall into some grievous sin. You just keep on going because it seems like it's no harm at first. 
and before you know it, like that wolf in Alaska, you have become your own worst enemy. Satan uses the same tactic to defeat those of us who are Christian. The devil knows that he can never have our souls because if you're a Christian, your soul belongs to God. But he knows that if he can cause us to yield to temptation, then we will become powerless and useless in the kingdom of God. Now hear me, brothers and sisters. Because you are saved does not make you immune from temptation. Can I run that by you one more time? Because you are a Christian, you are not in some bunker, some fallout shelter that will keep you from temptation. On the contrary, we are more likely to be attacked by Satan because he already has the lost person. However, temptation, while it cannot be avoided, can be overcome. Every believer ought to want to know how to turn temptation into triumph. When temptation arises, we usually respond in one of three ways. We give in to it, or we spend every day fighting it in our own strength, or we overcome the temptation through the power of Jesus Christ. Again, temptation, when the word is mentioned, the connotation is always something sexual, but you can be tempted of the devil to disobey God and put something ahead of God that becomes an idol. If you worship your job, if you worship your status, if you worship your looks, if you worship your career, if you worship your home, your family, your money, your car, anything that you put in the place of God, that thing becomes an idol. And idolatry, brothers and sisters, is not the worship of false gods, it's worshiping the true God falsely. Idolatry is not the worship of false gods, it's worshiping the true God falsely. God is spirit, and they that would worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If you did not bring all of you to worship this morning, whatever you left behind is your idol. Look with me this morning at the who of temptation. Who is the subject of temptation? Listen to me. From Jesus being tempted of Satan in the wilderness to a five-year-old child being tempted to raid the cookie jar, 
and swear that they didn't steal any cookies with a mouthful of crumbs. All humans are subject to temptation. We all have at least one area in our lives where we are particularly susceptible to sin. All of us have at least one area. Some of us got eight or nine. But all of us have at least one area where the devil can trip us up. Satan will not bother you with strong drink if that's not your temptation. Satan will not bother you with cocaine if that's not your temptation. But Satan does know your Achilles heel. He does know the area in your life where you are weakest and the area in your life where you are not praying for strength. Because if you tell the truth, every sin we commit, we enjoy. Because it wouldn't make sense to sin if you didn't enjoy it. Talk back to me if you can. Your husband not looking, your wife not looking, you can say amen this morning. She's subject to temptation, you are subject to temptation. The sin is not the temptation, the sin is yielding to temptation. Uh, temptation, brothers and sisters, is not sin. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, one of the brothers read it in our, in our deacon devotion this morning. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Sin enters the picture when we surrender to temptation. In the text, Paul says, Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. We are in danger when we think we have arrived at the place where we are above sinning. Can I help you this morning? The only people in this church who are above sin are the people sitting in the balcony. And as soon as they come downstairs, they're going to be just as low down as the rest of us. Now listen, God knows, God knows that he cannot grow us spiritually without opposition. People who, who train on weights, they only get stronger when they lift heavier weights. And God would not allow a weight to be put on you that you're not able to bear. But God will not leave you weightless 
Because you will never grow in grace, you'll never grow in spiritual strength until you've picked up one thing and then God will put something heavier on you and you can pick up that thing, then God will put something heavier on you and you can pick up that thing, but the strength does not come from you. The strength comes from God and God alone. So who is the subject of temptation? That's me and that's you. Let's look secondly at the where of temptation. We know who is being tempted. But where does the temptation come from? Where is the source of temptation? Verse 13 opens with the words, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. There are three primary sources of temptation. The world, the flesh, and the devil. In the Bible, the word for world means system or order. The world system or the world order. First John chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 reads, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you are worldly in your pursuits, you do not have the love of God. If all you think about is how good you look and uh, what you have, and uh, who's on your Facebook page and how many likes you get uh, and, and how, many, how many people you know. If you're always concentrating on you and everything is about your self-esteem, everything is about your self-aggrandizement, everything is about you trying to get ahead in the world, then the love of God is not in you. We need to hear, brothers and sisters, that born into every one of us, from the most innocent child to the most godly adult, we have what is called a sin nature. A leaning towards sin that we inherited from our father Adam called our old Adamic nature. All of us have what the Bible calls in us iniquity. That word iniquity means that there's something bent, something crooked, something off in every last one of us. Every one of us here has a sinful proclivity. We bend and we break towards one thing or another, but all of us have a sin nature. 
and the devil knows what your sin nature is the devil knows what your psychological emotional bent is and he will always bend you towards what you are bent towards let me put it this way that word iniquity means that there's something crooked about us so every last one of us this morning in Lily Grove Missionary Baptist Church is a crook watch your purse watch your cell phone check make sure you got your jewelry still on you are seated next to a crook now maybe their crookedness is not thieving maybe their crookedness is not lying but by yourself in Las Vegas in New Orleans you have something wrong with you girl there is a civil war in the heart of every saved person listening to me preach Galatians at chapter 5 verse 17 says for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would the apostle Paul who wrote over half of the New Testament said every time not every once in a while but every time I desire to do good evil is always present have I got a witness here and the good that I would do I find myself not doing and the evil that I don't want to do that's exactly what I do oh wretched man not that I was but that I still am the world the flesh and thirdly the devil knows every weakness we possess and moreover he knows how to exploit that weakness hear me brothers and sisters he exploits our weakness so that God is dishonored and we are useless in the kingdom as the slanderer as the accuser of the brethren the devil hates God so he plots our defeat in order to go before God to accuse us of what we actually did when the devil goes before God to accuse me he's not lying the thing I said I wouldn't do that's what I do I'm talking about Paul I'm talking about Terry I'm talking about Carlos I'm talking about you the very thing you said you were not ever going God if you deliver me I promise you I'll never do it again Ooh. 
and then two months later you say Lord I, I, I know what I told you but if you just have mercy according to your love and kindness according to the multitude of your tender mercy if you just blot out all my transgressions have I got any liars in here this morning but God in his grace God in his mercy God in his goodness will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness that's why some of us shout so much because we've sinned so much that's why some of us give God so much praise because we've got so much to be grateful for he looked beyond my fault have I got a witness here he looked beyond my foolishness he looked beyond my mistakes and gave me not one more chance but another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance that's why I'm gonna shout again cuz I need another chance that's why I raise my hands cuz I need another chance that's why I give him glory cuz I need another chance We come to church not because we've been so holy. We come because we need mercy. We need grace. We need power to overcome. That's the who. That's the where. Uh, the subject and the source of temptation. But let's look at the how the seat of temptation since we bear God's image we are triune beings tripartite beings made of a soul a body and a spirit we need to understand brothers and sisters we need to understand this principle and, and, and understand the areas that will come under attack in our lives. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. The soul speaks of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Sin always appeals to your ego needs. Sin always appeals to your ego because every one of us want something, every one of us desire something and when that want or that need or that desire becomes inordinate then it it hurts, it bruises, it offends our ego. And the trick the devil used on Eve in the garden still works this morning. 
Satan hasn't changed his tricks. And you would think by now that we would know better because he's been using the same trick over and over and over and over. And the reason he uses it over and over and over and over is because it still works. It works because first of all, you think the devil has a red suit on. with some horns and a pitchfork but the devil wears Prada the devil drives a motorcycle the devil goes to the gym the devil comes to church And just like Lot, Abraham's nephew Lot, in Genesis chapter 13, we look, we lean, and we live in a lost world. Lot looked at Sodom, and then he leaned toward Sodom, and he wound up living inside that's why the psalmist says blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly because if you walk with him you're going to stand with him and if you stand with him before long you're going to start sitting with him that's why you have to be careful your company because evil communication spoils good manners that's some folk I had to stop running with There are some people you can't have in your company. I don't care how good a friend he is. I don't care how loyal a friend she is. When you start walking with Jesus, if they try to get you to go in the other direction, you may need to unfriend them. The devil comes at your soul. And since he knows he can't have that, the devil comes at your body, your flesh. The flesh, the body is a reference to our old nature. We are tempted, brothers and sisters, to, to laziness. That's a sin too, you know. Sloth is one of the seven deadly sins. Laziness. Lust is a sin too and not just lusting after a woman or lusting after a man but you can lust after 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 something that you're not supposed to have something you're not supposed to eat something you're not supposed to get involved in you can lust for power you can lust for attention you can lust to be seen you can lust to be out front so that if they want you to serve they got to make you the president if they want you to give they got to call your name somebody ought to help me preach here this morning but if you're serving God you don't care if your name is never called 
You don't care if you don't ever get on the program because you're not doing it to be seen. If, when you give, I wish I had a witness, the best of your service, telling the world that the Savior has come, be not dismayed. If men don't believe you, he'll understand and say, well done. And then the spirit of man is the primary arena the primary area for satanic attack. The devil knows that since the soul is the seat of our self-consciousness, our spirit is the seat of our God-consciousness. The only reason you and I can relate to God is because we have a spirit. Now dogs and, and, and parakeets and cats and lizards and snakes and, and any other animal you can name have souls because they have, they have wills. They don't have intellect, but they have a, a, a natural bent towards being whatever it is God has created them to be, but they can't relate to God. Your dog is not going to heaven. I know Fifi is cute, but put him or her in the backyard and go to the pet store and get you another one. Take that little fish and flush him down the toilet because he's not going to heaven. You and I are the only creatures God made that can communicate, relate to God because God has put a little of himself in every last one of us. What is man, Psalm number eight says, that you're so mindful of him and the son of man that you would even visit him. You've made him a little lower than the angels. You've made him a little lower than yourself and you have crowned him with glory and honor. And Satan knows that if he can attack you spiritually, Satan knows that if he can depress your spirit, Satan knows that if he can kill your spirit, you will come to church and sing the songs, but they won't mean anything to you. Satan knows that if he can kill your spirit, you can read the scripture and never be impressed by it. Satan knows that if he kills your spirit, you can hear the gospel and not be moved by it. But the spirit of God has a way of quickening your spirit so that what the devil tries to destroy, God is building up. And the only way God can build it up, you got to come to church. You've got to hear the gospel. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hear you got to keep on hearing the word of god we've talked about the who we've talked about the where we've talked about the how i want to look finally at the what of temptation and the what of temptation has to do with how you subdue 
how you bring your passions under control. There are three words to remember when facing temptation, and I'm through. Flight, faith, or fight. Psychologically, all of us have what is called a flight or fight response to stimuli. If you, if you encounter an opponent that you can't fight, it's wise to flight. If you can't beat them, don't join them. Run. I, I think I've told you this before. When I was growing up, I was, I was always a good marble player, and I'd play marbles. And if I couldn't win, I would steal all the marbles out the, out the circle and run to my house. And the boys would get after me, Sidney Brown, and all of them would get after me because I'd stolen their, their marble, their tar, the, the, the big marble that they had. I stole it, and I was running with Some of them had steel marbles. I stole those too. And I would run to 720 South Beulah Street, Eunice, Louisiana, 70535. Because I knew that if I could make it to my house and, and, and knock on the porch as I was running, and then knock on the porch as I was running, my sister Winky would come outside and put her hands on her big fat hips and say, what's going on out here? And all the boys would stop in their tracks because Wanky could beat any boy in our crowd. So if you can't fight, run. Somebody ought to help me preach it. Uh, some of y'all like me, you're not a fighter. You're, you, you, you. Uh. To overcome the flesh, come on, get your mind back in church now. <laughs> to overcome the flesh, we need to flee. You cannot expose yourself to fleshly temptation and expect to walk away untouched. Proverbs 6 and 27 says, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Verse 14 in our text calls upon us to flee idolatry. Flee fornication. Flee youthful lusts. Flee those things that would cause you to put anything sinful before God's use of you in the kingdom. Run! Do like Joseph did uh, from uh, Mrs. Potiphar. Run from the seduction. You, you remember Joseph's story? Potiphar put him over everything in, in, in all of his household except his wife. And Mrs. Potiphar had sexual designs on Joseph. And whenever the house was empty, she would wait till all the servants were out and then she'd go get her Victoria's Secret and put it on, throw herself on the divan, and wait for Joseph to pass by. And the Bible says Joseph ran 
from the seduction because it's not a matter of manhood it's a matter of spiritual integrity that's how you overcome the flesh run I'm not a punk I'm just running no that ain't that ain't got nothing to do with my manhood it has to do with my being able to preach on Sunday morning. Somebody ought to help me talk here. To overcome the world, we need faith that Jesus will take care of us when we willi willingly give up our inordinate attachment to worldly things. You need to live your life with your hands wide open so that when God is ready to take it from you or you from it, you can leave and bid this world farewell. To overcome the world, we need that kind of faith. But to overcome the devil, we have to fight. You cannot run away from the devil, but you can overcome him through the blood of Jesus Christ. You have to face him in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Satan does not fear you. Satan does not fear me. Let me tell some super spiritual person in here this morning who's going around here talking about I bind the devil. The devil is in hell falling on the floor laughing at you because you call yourself binding the devil. How you going to bind the devil and God ain't bound him yet? The devil is not scared of you, but demons tremble at the name of Jesus. Have I got a witness here? If you want power over your temptation, call that name. If you want strength in your weakness, call that name. If you want to live godly in Christ, call that name. And he'll give you power to overcome. I need one or two witnesses here who knows that as long as you're breathing, you're battling. I said, as long as you're breathing, you're battling with Satan and sin. You win some and you lose some. That's why you ought to come to church and celebrate when you win some. And you still ought to come to church and bow your head when you lose some. Because the victory is not yours. The victory is not yours because the battle is not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. Have I got a witness here this morning? Brothers and sisters, you remember David's story, don't you? David went out to the valley of Gath, and there was a giant there named Goliath, who was nine feet, nine inches tall, 450 pounds. The size of his sword's head was the size of a weaver's beam. His coat of brass weighed 150 pounds. Everybody was scared to go out there and fight this giant Goliath. But David went out to the valley of Gath 
and his brother said, what are you doing out here? David said, is there no cause to put this giant down? And then Saul says, well, if you're going to go out there and fight with this giant, I need you to put my armor on. I wish I had a Bible reader. The Bible says David went in Saul's armor room and put on all of Saul's armor. And then David said, I can't fight with this because I haven't tried it yet. I haven't proved it yet. But I got something in my hand that I killed a lion one time. I killed a bear one time. And that giant came out to the valley of Gath and they sent David, a little boy, out to the valley of Gath. Goliath said, am I a dog that you send this little boy out here to fight me? Goliath said, I'm going to take your little body and break it in half and throw it up in the air so the birds can feed on it. David said to Goliath, you come to me as a giant Philistine, but I come in the name of the Lord of hosts and I'm going to cut your head off and raise your head in the air so that everybody will know that there is a God in Israel. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. If you want to win this morning, you got to put on the whole armor of God. You've got to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. You've got to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You've got to have on the girdle of truth. You've got to have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. His word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my pathway. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Is there anybody here know there's power in the word? Is there anybody here know there's deliverance in the word? I need somebody this morning that knows that one day that word jumped off the written page and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth that word was born in Bethlehem reared in Nazareth baptized in the Jordan that word performed miracles in a desert place that word wept over Jerusalem that word prayed in Gethsemane that word healed the sick gave sight to the blind turned water into wine raised Jairus' daughter one Friday that word went to a cross he died didn't he die but early Sunday morning that word came out of the grave is there anybody here know the only way you got power this morning the only reason you can shout this morning 
the only reason you can wave your hand is you got the word you got the word why don't you tell somebody I'm strong this morning because I got the word I'm rich this morning because I got the word I got joy this morning hey, I got love this morning because I got the word and it all right and it all right he walks with me he talks with me he tells me I am his own and the joy the joy do you have joy can you tell him thank you thank you for covering me thank you for protecting me thank you for saving me thank you I know he's alright somebody's hand tell them whatever your problem God will work it out God will God will God will I know he's alright You don't have to fight the devil by yourself and never fight the devil on his ground. You bring him to your ground. Bring him to church with you and the devil will flee from you. The scripture says if you resist the devil he'll flee from you. When, when I would steal my friend's marbles, I'd never fight on Halsey Street. I'd bring them to Beulah Street. Because I knew if they get to Beulah Street, it's over. Because you ain't gonna ever beat me and my sisters there. But we have an elder brother, the man Jesus Christ, 
who became sin for us who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God.